Welcome to the NPTE Final Frontier Podcast, helping one student at a time. Visit NPTEFF.com to enroll today so you can pass tomorrow. Thank you for joining us here on the NPTE Final Frontier Podcast. My name is David. My name is Nick. Today, we'll be discussing hyperthyroidism versus hypothyroidism. Now, before we review hypo or hyperthyroidism, we need to first review the thyroid gland itself. So generally speaking, the thyroid gland is located on the anterior aspect of the lower neck, and it is regulated by its own internal mechanisms, along with the hypothalamus and the pituitary. The thyroid produces the hormones of T3, T4, and calcitonin. T3 and T4 aid in the regulation of the body's metabolic rate and protein synthesis. While calcitonin plays a role in the calcium and phosphorus balance of the body. Now, generally, these hormones travel throughout the body to activate certain genes that regulate certain body functions. If the hypothalamus detects that the circulating levels are decreased, it will communicate to the pituitary gland to send thyroid-stimulating hormone, or also called TSH, to the thyroid to release more thyroid hormones. And based on what we just reviewed, a TSH test is a blood test that can show if the thyroid gland is either hyper-functioning or hypo-functioning. Let's look into hypothyroidism a little bit. What this is, is the underactive thyroid gland. The thyroid gland secretes insufficient thyroid hormones. A common form of this would be Hashimoto's disease. It's actually more common than hyperthyroidism. Something you may see is depression of the body metabolism, and or a slowed metabolism. You can classify this into two different categories, one being primary hypothyroidism or hormone deficiency, and the second being hormone resistant, which is secondary. Primary hypothyroidism, this occurs as a result of reduced functional thyroid tissue mass or impaired hormonal synthesis or release. An example of this would be iodine, uh, iodine deficiency, loss of thyroid tissue, or autoimmune thyroiditis. As for secondary hypothyroidism, which is less common, this is going to occur as a result of inadequate stimulation of the gland because of the anterior pituitary gland dysfunction. Now, some of the central nervous system and musculoskeletal effects of this would be anxiety, depression, slowed mental function, excessive fatigue, headaches, peripheral neuropathy, proximal muscle weakness, myalgia, prolonged deep tendon reflexes. If we look into the cardiovascular and pulmonary effects, you're going to have bradycardia, elevated blood pressure, increased cholesterol, triglycerides, and LDL. For the hematological effects, you're going to have easy bruising and anemia. For the integumentary effects, you'll have cold intolerance, dry skin, thinning of the hair, peripheral edema. For gastrointestinal effects, you're going to have constipation, weight gain, difficulty losing weight, 
delayed glucose uptake, a reduction of glucose absorption, and finally, the genitourinary effects can include infertility, menstrual irregularity, and heavy bleeding. All right, so now to get into hyperthyroidism. So when specifically referring to hyperthyroidism, we're essentially referring to a state where the thyroid gland is giving off an excessive amount of thyroid hormones. Graves' disease is an autoimmune disease that can be looked at as one of the more common forms of hyperthyroidism. And if we want to connect this to the hormones we reviewed in the beginning, for Graves' disease, there's an increase in T4 production. And in a mild form of hyperthyroidism, T4 may present as normal, but T3 may be increased. And this presentation typically precedes Graves' disease. We can also add that hyperthyroidism can typically be associated with TSH suppression. So get, to get into the effects, an increase in the thyroid hormone can bring about just an overall increase in the body's metabolism, while the effects can be gradual and systemic involving the CNS, cardiovascular, pulmonary, musculoskeletal, integumentary, ocular, gastrointestinal, and genitourinary systems. And we're going to review some of those next. So let's start with unilateral or bilateral periarthritis, which is just referring to inflammation involving the periarticular structures, such as ligaments, tendons, and joint capsules. This tends to be accompanied with pain and a reduced range of motion, which is commonly found in the shoulder. And this could potentially lead to more severe presentations, such as adhesive capsulitis of the shoulder, for an example. One can also note possible calcification of those periarticular structures, decreased bone mineral density, potentially leading to an osteoporosis presentation or even fractures, and proximal muscle weakness with possible accompanying myopathy. Other effects can include tremors, hyperkinesis, emotional lability, nervousness, irritability, fatigue, and an increased deep tendon reflex. Now cardiovascular and pulmonary effects can include increased heart and respiratory rate, arrhythmias such as atrial fibrillation, dyspnea, a feeling of respiratory muscle weakness, decreased blood pressure, and possible heart failure. Integumentary effects can include warm, flushed skin, secondary to capillary dilation, heat intolerance, fingernail separation from the nail bed, thin hair or even hair loss, pretibial edema, and hyperpigmentation. Ocular effects can include light sensitivity, loss of vision, the bulging of the eyes, along with poor convergence or upward gazing secondary to extraocular muscle weakness. Gastrointestinal effects can include increased peristalsis, diarrhea, vomiting, nausea, dysphagia, along with an increased appetite and potential weight loss secondary to the increased metabolism. And finally, after all of that, we have the genitourinary effects, which can include urinating more frequently, amenorrhea, infertility, miscarriages, and increased frequency of bowel movements. 
Now, another important factor to note is something called a thyroid storm, which can be life-threatening and can present with severe tachycardia, shock, fever, hyperthermia, restlessness, agitation, delirium, chest pain, abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, dehydration, and possible heart failure or coma. A thyroid storm tends to be secondary to unrecognized, untreated, or incorrect treatment and can follow trauma, infection, surgery, a myocardial infarction, pulmonary embolism, diabetic ketoacidosis, a medication overdose, along with labor and delivery. And there you got it. Hyperthyroidism versus hypothyroidism. And now here's a quote for you. A real decision is measured by the fact that you've taken a new action. If there's no action, you haven't truly decided. That is a quote from Tony Robbins. Thank you very much for listening. For more information on NPTE Final Frontier, please visit NPTEFF.com. You can also check us out on all of our other social media platforms, such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We hope that this episode on hyperthyroidism and hypothyroidism was helpful, and we look forward to you joining us here next time for the NPTE Final Frontier podcast. Thank you.